Yes, it is Thursday, February 2. This is the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio, and it's four weeks today until the 2023 NRL season kicks off. Parramatta hosting the Melbourne Storm there at uh, Combank Stadium. Really looking forward to it, and uh, the market has the grand finalists outside. It's heading into that round one clash. Uh, now tonight, though, the Sydney Sixers, firm favourites against the Brisbane Heat in the Challenger to see who will play the Perth Scorchers in the final of the Big Bash over there in the West on Saturday. Uh, we just see reports on the TV this morning. In fact, uh, the Brecky radio shows have uh, got Usman Kawaja, vision of Usman Kawaja heading uh, well, there at Melbourne Airport as he heads in to catch a flight to India after his uh, flight. Well, his uh, travels were delayed due to his visa being delayed. And uh, he's got that all sorted. So he's off to India ahead of the first test next week. Next Thursday, in fact. So, uh, what about this story, Clarky? Actually, oh no, why me? South Africa. <laughs> so they're about to host the 2020 Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Australia looking to win it for the third time in a row. Mm-hmm. Now, one of South Africa's most decorated players is Dane Funnikirk. Oh, I did see this. Yes. <laughs> now she's a walk-up start in their team. She's a. She's probably their best player. Not picked. Yes. Not picked. So. This is due to the fact that she's failed to meet the minimum criteria for fitness. And one of their cri- well, their criteria that they all have to make, it's, they've got a 2K time trial. Oh, they dear. have to do it in less than 9 minutes 30. She did 9 minutes 48, which for her is actually a personal best. But she hasn't got within 9 minutes 30, so cut. And her wife is Marazan Cap. Yes, who's Played for the Sixers out here. I think she might be at the Thunder last year. She's, she's a star in her own All-rounder, right. yeah. She's a genius. She's she's a very good player as well. Well, she's now taken leave. She's in the team. Yeah. She's taken leave to obviously support, ensure, a partner. support a partner. Yeah. So, oh, it's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. Lucky Warney's not here. He would be blowing <laughs> up. He refused to do any sort of 2K time trial or beep test. But look, you don't know. I don't know the full story in regards to what she spoken to three months ago saying, you know, you got to get fitter. You're not fit enough. You, we know you're a great player, but we still need you fit. Did they have that conversation? I don't know that. I don't believe you can be selecting your your cricket team based on a 2K time trial. I think it's an absolute joke. I'll never forget the World Cup 2015 when I tore my hamstring. Coming back from that, I was given there was about 15 tests I had to pass. Um, to be available for selection. And the 2K time trial was one of them. And I had to run it in under seven minutes. Yet my best time in my career was seven minutes, 28. So I said to Alex Contouris, our physio, I I go, Lex, I can't. I can't. It's impossible. I can't do that. He said, mate, I've told him. I've showed them all your tests. Unfortunately, this is what they've come back with. I'm like, are you kidding me? I've never run that time in my career. But to make the team... I had no choice. So I, I get that. What time know, did you run? I can't even remember, but I passed. You, bet you got I, pro- it. I probably got just oh, on it. Or who knows? Flying. Who knows? Um, but look, I, I'm all for, you know, the little one percenters and, and being fit. As you guys know, I think that's that's an important part of giving yourself to, to get the most out of you. But cricket is a very different sport. And I don't know. Even that, the 2K time trial. When do you ever run 2Ks without stopping on a cricket field? Even when you're batting, you make a triple hundred, you stop, start, stop, start, sprint, stop, sprint, stop. You chase the ball to the boundary. You bowl, 
30 overs. It's all stop-start. So I don't know how you can compare running 2Ks in, the, in that time as an indication as to if you should be in your international team. So at the end of the day, South Africa has made this call. It's only going to affect them. One of their best players is now not in their World Cup campaign. So that's a massive loss. Um, but if it's about setting a precedent, they've certainly done that. Well, he's got the best, uh, well, his PB from West Cricket Club 2K time trial was about, I think it was 9 minutes 10. So he would have made the side until Clarkie, of course, ruined his career. Adam Pengilly, good morning. I would have struggled to make 9 minutes 10, Jared. Let me give you a tip. Never been, never been that fit. Um, but is he, oh, just, just adding to that story a little bit more, she's coming back from a broken ankle, I, I read somewhere. She, she badly broke her ankle in September. Yeah. You, you know so, the other thing, Adam, with stuff like this? They, they Selectors or people involved, they might think your time's up as well. So yeah, it might be the yeah. easiest way. Rather than dropping a senior player, because you know the chaos that can cause, you just set some higher parameters around what's required. And if you don't make it, then you can justify it. So, again, I don't know the backstory, but there might be a bit of this going on as well. Yeah. What did, what did she miss by, Jared? You say 18, 18 seconds. seconds. Jeez, that's harsh, isn't it? Like, <laughs> give me a break. A World Cup on home soil as well. No, you can't yeah, not and, pick and, her for, for and, missing the mark by 18 seconds. That's, and, and, that's not right. And Clark, yeah, wife's the best player in the team. Yeah, well, like, imagine that's, yeah, you're, not, you're not taking out one person. You're almost taking out two, two players now. Because imagine what yeah. mental state she's going to be in. So, yeah, it's not going to go down anyway, well. It's I don't going know. to add anyway. to what's happening with South African cricket, I reckon, for both yep. men's and women, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, mm. Let's talk some racing. So Tom Marquand is back in Australia. Yeah, very keen to see him back in action this week, Jared. He's obviously come back to Australia for a short stint heading towards the Autumn Carnival. Is he Tom, as we've come to know, know him over the last few on his, on his short stint, he's been a very profitable rider for a lot of punters, I reckon, and um, it's not hard to see why. He gives him, gives him every chance. He's strong, strong in the finish. He's got to be an extravagant action, doesn't he? But he usually gets the job done, so keen to see how he goes in his first meeting back at Randwick this weekend. He's got the ride on Zoo Tiger in the Eskimo Prince, and he's, he's looming as the main challenger to Aft Cabin in that race for the three-year-olds, and just on Zoo Tiger... Um, Extremely keen to see what he can do back at the race. We haven't seen him since the Golden Rose when he was really brave up on top of the speed there and, and ran a placing in that race. So he obviously missed the rest of the spring and John's given him a bit of a slowish build-up heading towards the autumn. And he looks the logical danger to the Godolphin horse in this race. So Tom might be able to kick, his, kick himself off um, starting his Australian stint with a, with a stakes winner and um, no doubt he'll be riding plenty more winners heading towards the, the major races in the Sydney Autumn Carnival. Well, Alligator Blood has been running, but hasn't been running in New South Wales, but he's been now cleared to run here. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, Lars. So this story has taken another twist. We had that issue last year when Racing New South Wales put a ban on him over his owner's uh, undersolved uh, bankruptcy status. So uh, that was a massive uh, problem for him. And, and, and obviously the horse, he couldn't race in New South Wales for the majority of 2022. They were skirting around trying to find other options. Eventually, Victoria took the same path and then relented. And he obviously won a couple of Group 1s down there and raced in the Cox Plate too. But now that Jerry Harvey stepped in to take over for, uh, pretty much the majority ownership of the horse, that um, now he's got the chance to come back and race in New South Wales. So I, I don't think New South Wales and Sydney will be his immediate target. I think Adrian Bott sort of confirmed he might have a couple of runs in Melbourne to start off with and then potentially look at coming up to Sydney, maybe for a race off the Doncaster Mile and even the All-Age Stakes. But... It's just good to see one of our headline horses starting to put some of this drama behind him and, and having options available to him to race and, and race in New South Wales. Because remember at one stage, they were, they were even talking about going to New Zealand. They talking about potentially going to Dubai because he's going to almost look like he's going to be black banned from racing in Australia. But thankfully, that's all been settled now and we'll see him at some stage, hopefully in Sydney throughout the Autumn Carnival. Uh, this, uh, well, 
crack two-year-old for cool ball learning to fly is off to the Inglis Millennium. Yeah, this surprised me just a little bit, Jared. I thought they might have tried to target another stakes race heading towards the, the Golden Slipper, but given what she did on the weekend, she's won the win stakes now. She's got the black type on the pedigree, but the money's just too good, isn't it? Like, how do you how do you turn down a race like that? It's worth a couple of million dollars. So given she's an English horse, it'll be a restricted race. Um, she's going to start a very short price favourite, and it appears that Tom Magnier and Annabelle Neesham are sort of identifying that as her next stepping stone heading towards the Golden Slipper, and she'll start a very, very short price favourite, I'd imagine, extremely hard to beat, and just the money on offer is just too hard to ignore. So anyway, keen to see her back at the races. She was extremely professional there on the weekend, and a lot of people are saying she's the top seed at the moment heading towards the Golden Slipper, and it's probably pretty hard to argue from what we've seen at the trials and what we saw on debut there on the weekend. Yeah. You tipped on the program yesterday, Queen of Dragons, but mm. she didn't win. She ran second. What did you make of the run? Yeah, she was okay, Loz. Uh, clearly beat by a better horse on the day, ran by J-Mac, Chris Waller, as the first starter. I think she's probably that second and third tier, to be fair, that, that Queen of Dragons horse from the Snowden. She she might not be a blue diamond or golden slipper horse. I was just hoping that she'd get the right run, and she did. She got every, every chance, which wasn't quite good enough, so... I'm sure she'll probably be winning races in time in the future, but whether she's among the you know the better horses heading towards the slipper, I, I highly doubt from what we saw yesterday. So the nice than Tipper winner, Loz. I mean, Tipper's a lot of horses running second and third lately in the last couple of weeks. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll regroup and get ready for Ramwick on the weekend. Uh, Clarkie's uh, mare, pretty wild. Race five Saturday, number four, barrier seven of ten. J Mac booked for the for the ride. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go. That might be something for us for the weekend, Adam. Is it Warwick Farm next week, Clark? Or are you going to stay for stay around with this weekend? Uh, I think with J Mac on, I think she'll race on Saturday now. Okay. I'm sure I'll find out today, but I, yeah, I reckon they'll have a crack on Saturday. Yeah, okay. Look, I must admit, I only had a quick look at the race last night to scan the field. It doesn't look a deep race to me. It looks like a pretty thin race. So. I know it's a 78, it's probably a little bit harder in terms of a benchmark than next Wednesday, but I think it looks a really suitable race for it to, to bounce back from last night. Thanks so much, mate. Have a good day. See you, boys. Just with today, marking round one uh, being a month away. Uh, so Parramatta, $2.40, Melbourne, $1.58. These are the odds for the round one games with Tab. The Warriors are $1.55 against the Newcastle Knights, $2.45. Uh, Penrith, $1.27 against the Brisbane Broncos, $3.75. Manly at dollar eighty-five against the Bulldogs at dollar ninety-five. Very tight market there. The Cowboys at dollar forty-five hosting the Raiders two seventy-five. Cronulla two dollars against Souths at dollar eighty. Uh, the Dolphins five dollars seventy-five and plus sixteen and a half against the Roosters at dollar fourteen. And the round finishes Sunday, March five, with the Tigers at dollar ninety-five against the Gold Coast Titans at dollar eighty-five. When you look at those games, is there one that sticks out, fellas? Yeah, Tigers, we won from one. That one sticks out. <laughs> well, what do you mean, sticks out? Is well, the, just game the game of the round yeah, or the game, one with value? Well, game, no, game you're most looking forward to. Go, go again for me. Para Melbourne, Warriors, Newcastle, Penrith, Brisbane, Manly playing the Dogs, oh, Cowboys against oh, the Raiders. Para Melbourne's a cracker. Cronulla Souths, Dolphins, oh, the new boys, new boys against the Roosters, and the Tigers and the Titans. I think they're all you can look forward to Good, for different yeah. reasons. Yeah, oh, you know, storylines everywhere. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, like Penrith and Brisbane. I mean, Kevy's under the pump in terms of, you know, they want success and they've got a roster good enough to be playing finals football. They've got the Premier straight up, away from home. You know, how, how are they going to go? How, how Penrith are going to go without Appy Coruscant? Yeah. Um, 
who else did they lose? Kick out. Billy kick out. How are the Bulldogs going to go against Manly? Will Tom play? Will we'll kick out Reed Marnie? These type of guys fit in straight away. That's the game for my Manly and the Dogs. Just due to obviously Manly, new coach, Anthony Seabold, uh, Tom Trebojevic, if he's back. We're assuming he's going to be back for round one. Not playing. And against the Dogs, this whole new regime with Cameron Serraldo and, and their new players, Reed Marty and Kikiao especially. And uh, oh, you can only imagine the optimism. We only had to see it in the little video they put out on social media when they told Josh Reynolds he was in the top 30 squad and the reaction that got. And we're mm. speaking to Josh in about an hour's time this morning, by the way. That's the game for mine. The market says it'll be close as well. But uh, I reckon I'm, Tommy's coming back round three. Okay. There you go. I reckon Not even, rushing it. even if he's 100% fit, I think they'll have to just hold him off. Just to just... Extra extra couple of weeks. That'll annoy Manly fans. Mm, I'm sure will, but I just think they cannot afford to risk him. Oh, I think he just plays when he's right. I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, but I think by being over there and listening to Tom, over there in America, and since he's been back and listening to his press conference, he did speak about there's no time frame on when I'll be mm. back. He said, I'll be back when I'm right. Mm. So you read into that. What you like, Brian Pappenhausen said the same I, thing. I, I think, mm. I think this guy Bill Knowles over there would just say to him, "When your body is right, you will know, and then you play, but don't play beforehand." So mentally, even if you're right, sometimes in the back of your mind you think, "You know what? I'm going to take a week or two. He might be thinking the other way, going, "No, as soon as you're right, think positively." Go out there and play. Yeah. The other thing you know, if, if you've done the same, if you've had the same injury over and over again, oh, yeah. there's only one way that you actually do know if you're okay. Like that first time you step onto that field under pressure when you haven't got time to think about, okay, I'm starting to run now, so let me yeah. turn my core on. Let me use my glutes. Let me use my hamstrings the right way. Come game time, it's just see it and go. Yeah. You just react until you've actually been through that. You can train as much as you want. You can have the greatest strength you want in your hemis until you've actually been through that, got onto that field, and got through that game. You, you never have 100% confidence. Mm. Then the more you do that, the more you go, okay, now I'm back to normal. Now I'm back to normal. So it's, gonna, it's going to be a hard – it's going to be hard for – any time he walks onto that field, there's going to be that little – Little gap of, of insecurity, I reckon. Yeah. At, at training, you can get away with it. Yeah. It's when you, you like, exactly. You, they throw a pass and you've got to pick it up off your toes or you accelerate. Yeah. You know, uh, when you're fatigued late in the game. Take, those, take off yeah. and you, you, don't, you haven't thought about it. You haven't given no. your brain enough time to think about yeah. switching your core on or no. be careful bending over or bend yeah. your knees more. Like you, that, that's when he's going to yeah. be tested. Because I've read and heard them say that they reconditioned his body and learnt how to basically run correctly. So that gets back to what you're saying. It's when you're reconditioning and changing the way you're sort of aligning your body and running under pressure, under fatigue, you know, mentally under fatigue, you're not thinking. You're just <laughs> running and you revert back to your Whatever, to however it goes. Memory. What you've done for yeah. 25 years. Morning, Sean. Guys, how are you going? Yeah, good, mate. What's doing? Mate, you were talking before about uh, the best athletes of all time. Now, I'll, I'll go back, say, 50 years. That's about as far as I'll, I'll prepare to go back to, to make it relevant. Mate, it's Jordan first, 
daylight second and pick the rest for yourself. I'm in your he, camp, Sean. He mate, mate, six six NBA titles, six NBA MVPs in those title range. He could have won eight if he didn't go play go play baseball. No, so he he is the the best in any in any provocation of athletes. Him better than and, uh, better than Bradman. Uh, yep, better than Brad. It's Oof. a different, different, different sport, Clarky. Yeah, that's so what I that's know. what I think is the defining yeah. factor, though. The fact that the sports are all so different. So if you're right. if you are an NFL. Uh, lover, and that is your number one chosen sport, then you understand why they say Brady's the, the greatest of all time. Yeah, if it's exactly basketball, right. then if, it's, if you're a cricket tragic, there's it's not Bradman. an athlete yeah. on the planet that has ever compared to Bradman. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. I think it's, it, that's, why, that's why I love this conversation because it's all about personal preference. 100%. and who, Like, I'm Jordan as well. Growing up as a kid, Jordan was just absolute one of a kind. Mm. Yet... You know, in my own sport, Bradman's record is so far from second place, it's not funny. Yeah, exactly right. You know, like, I saw a thing about a month or two ago, they interviewed Jordan, and they asked him, could his team of 91 beat the LeBron's Lakers? He said, yeah, we beat them. And then they said, oh, well, how many? He's like, oh, maybe two or three. He's like, that close? He said, no, we're all 60 now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, we'd beat it out to 60, so why not? Uh... Yeah. So like the Raiders of 94, they would have beat, what, the Tigers of 2022? <laughs> <laughs> At your age now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. I'm just... no I, well, I, I just – you look through the different eras of any sport. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But, you, 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 like, I compare the era that I played in to the footy that's played now, and you Different. get embarrassed by it. Yeah, you can't compare, can you? I, I mean, you know, I you look agree. at some of the things, you know, the, the players today would be looking at that footage going, oh, there's a gap there. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? It, it, it's, it, it just evolves over time. And if you go back to the 60s and look at the way the 60s footy was played, yeah. completely different. Yeah, mm. I think Sir Donald Bradman but, hit 1-6 in his entire career, 59 test matches. 1-6. I think he hit 1-6. Yeah. Mate, Steve Smith hit seven last the other night yeah. in one game. Yeah. So, how, yeah, how, it's all, it's how all can you compare? It's different. Mm. You know, it's hard to compare. Yeah. That's why I reckon you've just got to take it in eras yeah. like you, or, or decades. Yeah. The, the other thing in, in your day, Loz, because I was, I was watching during, as I do watch crap on YouTube, I was watching mm. the 1990 Ashes series during uh, our break. Just like the haphazard approach to goal kicking. Yeah. Like... Like, it was almost like, oh, if we get the two points, great. If not, oh, well. It's so important now. Whereas now it is just... You need to go up by sixes. It's so important. So important. Whereas... It was crap. Let's face it. Bring the toe bash back. Until Daryl Halligan came in, it was crap. Well, it wasn't professional. (laughs) You know, it was a game where you worked and then you played footy. Mm. And you're trained three nights a week. So Mm. you didn't really have time to actually put the practice in. Mm. Um, but it was wasn't until those guys started to arrive mm. that they took it seriously, and it became an important component of any team's success because you had to go up by sixes, mm. or if you know if the game was on the line when the competition started to get tighter, yeah, you had to make sure you kick your goals. Scoreless after 39 minutes at Old Trafford this morning in the League Cup semi-final second leg between Manchester United and Nottingham Forest. But United lead 3-0 on aggregate from the first leg uh, over there in Nottingham. So it looks very likely that it'll be United up against Newcastle 
at Wembley in the League Cup final unless an absolute miracle is pulled off by Forrest uh, in the last, what, 50 minutes or so of that match this morning in some cricket overnight. We saw the third one day between England and South Africa at Kimberley over in the Republic and England posted seven for 346 and a couple of centurions there. David Milan, 118 off 114 balls and Joss Butler, 131 off 127 so uh, South Africa in response rolled for 287. So that is a 59-run victory for England in that match. Uh, now, what uh, as far as the series is concerned, I think, yeah, South Africa won the first two, didn't they? So it's 2-1 in that series. Uh, but Jofra uh, Archer, sensational with the ball. Six for 40 he took there, Jofra from 9.1 overs and one maiden. So after, what, 22 months off the scene, Clarky, he is going to give them a serious piece of X Factor heading towards the Ashes in the middle of the year. Yeah, I think it's great for cricket, having him fit and healthy and back out there playing. Obviously makes it harder for any opposition that's playing against England because he's a very, very good bowler. But I think it's it's exactly what we need for a, a huge Ashes series. I think Jofra... Um, well, he got stuck in. He remember he hit Smitty really bad. Um, I think he's he's got pace. He's quite accurate. He moves the ball off the wicket. He's tall. He's he's a very gifted athlete. So yeah, he he makes a massive difference to for England in regards to the one day World Cup, which is I think at the end of this year, um, and also that Ashes series against the Aussies. So yeah, exciting for for this England team to have him back. Um, and another challenge for Australia once they hopefully beat India. Now, Usman Khawaja is on his way to India after that visa was delayed. But just some news over there as far as the Indian squad's concerned. Shreyas Iyer is out of the first test. He's been battling a back injury. Now, Shreyas has been... He's been a fixture in their one-day teams, hasn't he, for, for quite some time. But he's only been around the test scene recently. Sort of one of those white ball players who's been in too good a form that they've chucked him in the test side and has been successful uh, he's only played a handful of tests, I think seven, but has already averaged close to 60 in his seven tests he's so far. Very, very good player. He just hasn't got an opportunity because the Indian team has been uh, quite consistent in regards to their test team that they've been picking. Um, he's had, well, probably five very good IPL seasons. He's been a sh- part of their short-form cricket. Um, I actually think he captains Delhi the team that Ricky Ponting coaches over in the IPL. So he's got leadership qualities as well. He, yeah, he just needs an opportunity. He just needs a long crack at it and he'll be, um, well, not, can't say the next Virat Kohli, but he's going to be, he's, he's an average average 45 plus, maybe 50, I reckon, in test cricket over a long period of time. Mm. I think he's got he's got all the shots, all the talent, uh, the mental side of the game's there. He just now needs a, a long crack at it. All right, so out for the first test there. We're going to speak to Chase Buford uh, from the Sydney Kings shortly. They've got two games left before the playoffs. Uh, but the big news overseas this morning, if you're just tuning in, is that Tom Brady has retired, in his own words, this time for good. Uh, after, in fact, it's t- pretty much 12 months to the day he retired last time. Well, the, well the, I guess you usually only have one retirement, don't you? But after 40 days, he had a change of heart and went back and had a third season there at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL after 20 years in New England. Uh, but he's decided, after there was speculation where he might go next, he's decided at age 45, enough's enough, Loz. He's done. Oh, he's had an amazing career. Um, and we spoke about him earlier this morning, you know, being uh, 
pick 199 in the sixth round of the 2000 draft. And no one expected Tom Brady to go on and have a superb career uh, like he has. Seven Super Bowls. He appeared in the Super Bowl ten times. And he was just great under pressure. He could deliver. And how many times have we seen it? Not much time left on the clock. Ball in Brady's hands. He just somehow got the job done. He'll go into a, a role now as a commentator for Fox. And there's some talk that he might even be part of the commentary team for the Super Bowl this season uh, when the Chiefs take on Philly. But certainly been the greatest ever quarterback and the greatest ever player that the NFL have seen. I, and no one can compare to his record. He, he is just a standout. Um, you know, won six of them obviously for New England and one with Tampa Bay. Um, but he's had a fantastic career, and I'm sure he enjoyed every part of it. Well, the Sydney Kings, they're on the prowl for back-to-back NBL championships, and the crowds are packing Kudos Bank Arena in record numbers. Don't miss your chance to be a part of history as tickets for the semi-final go on sale next Tuesday, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. next Tuesday via Ticketek to get those tickets for the Kings in the playoffs. And joining us now is their coach, Chase Buford. Chase, good morning to you. Morning, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you on again. And uh, heading into last weekend, you lost two in a row. And what was the key, I guess, to turning it around against Tasmania and South East Melbourne last weekend to get those two good results? Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know that the whole lot we did differently. We we played some teams that had great nights. We had some uh, poor shooting night at home. And sometimes you lose. So we just came out with the same things we always did. And our guys... Uh, when got a couple of results on the weekend. Chase, going back-to-back, back, it's always difficult. Do you think you're better placed this time around than what you were this time last year? Yeah, it's hard. This time last year, I think we were riding a 13-game winning streak and, you know, really felt like world beaters, where this year we've probably just been really consistent throughout the season. And, um, you know, I think when our defense is in a good place with this team, we could really turn up the tempo and put people on their heels. So, when we're turned up and ready to guard, I think we're really good. And hopefully playoffs and that type of environment will bring that out of us more often than not. Chase, how do you get the balance right leading into finals? Where you see in a lot of sports, if teams do have a couple of losses, then the coach or the manager or the captain, you're not that bothered because it sort of gives you that kick up the backside before you get to, to the finals. How do you get the balance between being okay with that but also – I'd imagine you want winning momentum going into big games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about how you're performing more than what the results are. And in both those games, we had our chances to win and kind of shot ourselves in the foot down the stretch and just lost at the end. So a bunch of learnable moments, teaching moments, and I think our guys embrace that. We're not going to get too high or too low based off one result and just keep plotting along like we have them. Chase, individual awards are, of course, not the focus, but only yourself for Coach of the Year and Xavier Cooks for MVP were nominated for the the season awards. Um, Have the Kings been disrespected? Oh, man, I don't worry too much about that. I think, you know, Justin's obviously had a heck of a year. I've had Tim and Zig defensively um, and disappointed that one of them didn't get recognised, but that's all right. I mean, I think we're all playing for a a grander prize at the end of the tunnel anyways. How important is it here in Sydney to win on and off the field, Chase? I mean, the crowds that the Kings have been attracting have been 
enormous. And we always talk about Sydney being one of the, the toughest uh, marketing places for any sporting team uh, in Australia and how you have to win. So you must take great pride in the fact that you're winning and attracting huge numbers to the game. Yeah, I think, you know, fans across sports for generations have shown if you're not winning, they're probably not going to show up as much as if you are and you're playing well. So um, it's a testament to the guys that they've played well now for a few years and put on an attractive style of basketball that people want to come and support and, you know, get in value for entertainment. And to see the, the big crowds we've had the last month and a half, two months, has been really spectacular. Obviously, you're sitting on top, 19 wins, seven losses. But when you look at the chasing pack, goodness me, it's tight heading into this final series. I mean, how competitive has this season been? Yeah, it's been, you know, probably more of an even competition than maybe last year was. You know, their last year had some really top-end talent, but this year seems to be a little bit more even across the board. And um, Yeah, it's, it's been made for a lot of drama and, and good viewing, that's for sure. Well, Loz alluded to it. You've had great support this season and uh, you're on the road for these two games and then coming home for the semi-final series. Good luck, Chase. Appreciate your time this morning and hope it's a successful end to the season. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Okay, Chase Buford there, the coach of the Kings. He's done a great job, hasn't oh, he? Oh, my superb. God. Yeah, they've, they've been unbelievable. Mm. Like, there's a lot of pressure on them this year at the start of the season yeah. as well after what happened last year, yeah. but... Again, it, they haven't had the run that they got last year, but I think no. they're... They're getting 14,000, 15,000 people Mate. to a basketball game. That's massive. And Winning away you, from home yeah. as well. Like it, it just shows you there's a market for basketball oh, it's flying. in this city and this country. Mm. They lost their MVP. Yeah, exactly right. Jalen Adams. Exactly mm. right. Like they had a, you know, some significant turnover in place, we, but they got some yeah. good ones I, as well. I, I, I know we want to uh, keep Chase, or the Kings obviously would love to keep Chase, but what do you think his realistic goals are in terms of if he goes back-to-back and... Well, you probably you think, probably try and get on an uh, NBA assistant, assistant job, yeah. I would say. He's on that path, isn't he? Yeah. Because I think his father's a general manager of the Spurs. Yeah, I think you're right, Loz. I think it's... Under Popovich there yeah. somewhere. Greg Popovich. Yeah. I think you're right. So, mm. and I think he's always been highly regarded as a, a young coach coming mm. through, so... He'd be one to keep an eye on as well. We always talk about the players, but I reckon Chase is on the path of being involved of the in the NBA as well. Okay, uh, Cowboy from Hell asks, by the way, just the, the India series, is Coley captain or Rahane for this test series? It's actually Rohit Sharma is now the captain, isn't yeah. he? He's captain across all three formats. Yeah. Uh, Rahane is vice-captain. Uh, Rahul's vice-captain. Rahul, K.L. Rahul. K.L. Rahul. So vice captain. is Ajinka Rahane not in the squad? No. Yeah, okay. So he's been dropped. So Kale Raul is, is vice captain. Okay. There you go. No, he's not in the Rot, squad. I've got Rot the squad Sharma, in front of me. Rolt Sharma captain, though. Mm. Um, yeah, and again, very good leader. I, I think Rolt Sharma is a class player. He hasn't played enough test cricket. I think he's the perfect uh, either four, five, or six to bat the way he plays. He's got a lot of Mark War mm. in, in the way he plays. Times the ball beautifully. <laughs> plays both quicks and spin well. Plays the short ball very well. Uh, seems to get selected on tours to Australia where there's a bit more pace and bounce, but I think this could be a yeah, this could be a big series for Rolt Sharma. He needs to captain this Indian team the right way. Um, use his spin as well, and then obviously he, he'd want to come out and be making plenty of runs with the bat. Now, this is a silly question, Pop, but we and we're talking about the Don Bradman debate before. Yeah, yep. 
India have always loved their cricket, but have they fallen in love with it more over the last 20, 25 years? Oh, the, they, they... Because they weren't IPL, strong when, they were all, in all, the Bradman era. Oh, no, I, don't, I think back then, majority of cricket in Bradman's era was Australia England. versus England. Yeah. Like I, think, I think Bradman went to India, to in India once only. Um, so, no, Indian cricket's come a long way. Yeah. I think you look at things like the IPL, it is, especially the younger generation, is madly in love with, with cricket like yeah. they always have been over in India. I think there was a, you know, there's... There but was it's a, been an explosion of... IPL, you know, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's just Mate, got more completely and more popular with people. Well, ninety percent of the, the income into our sport. Yeah, oh yeah, but yeah, but over in India. India, I'm talking about Mate. just from, you know, from the fifties. Absolutely loved now. to now. Has there been a doubling or tripling? Of I don't know numbers, but if you if you if you cricket. think of uh, the most popular soccer player mm. over playing in the EPL, let's say Ronaldo or Messi mm. walking around the streets of their home country, Virat Kohli. Sachin Tendulkar, those two, mate, exactly the same, if not more popular. They cannot leave their house. They are that famous over there. Yeah. So, yeah, the game has grown. You know, the last IPO, I think, is 11 years old now, 12 years old. Yeah. So, even that. But I think what's happened now is fans, well, I'll be interested to see this yeah. test series. Fans go to every IPO game. Yeah. Every IPO game is packed out. I'll be interested to see what happens this test series. Yeah, because uh, Australia have always been a good fielding teams. They've always had yep. good fielding teams. And, yep. and they always seem to be a lot fitter than the other nations. Yep. And I can remember India when I first started watching. You'd see them and they were Significant not difference. great. Yeah. Not great in the field. You look at the Indian Opposite team, now, yeah. yeah. They're as fit as anyone now. Yeah. Well, I think Virat Kohli has added... I think Surav Ganguly when he captained and then MS Dhoni, I think they brought in that... They, they toughened up in regards to they're not going to take any shit from anyone, mm. any opposition. And Surav was big on that. Uh, MS Dhoni was the quiet achiever, but he did care about being fit and pushing the team. And then Virat is fitness junkie. Like, he's in the gym every single day. So he took it to a different level. Um, interesting to see what Rohit Sharma does now, because Rohit's probably not as disciplined around the fitness side of things. He's a bit more chilled out, a bit more laid back. Um but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, their, their fielding's improved out of sight. Their fitness has improved out of sight. And, mate, they've got so many players, so many young kids growing up playing cricket that, you know, they've got, they got millions and millions to choose from. Yeah. You know, they, they should have a, a very successful international cricket team because they've got everything you need. And now with the IPL, even the young kids that are playing domestic cricket, they get to play with all the international superstars that are over there in yeah. their team as well. The Big Sports Breakfast Lunch is back again Friday, February 24, hosted by the ATC at the Wink Stand at Royal Randwick there. We've got uh, sporting and racing royalty going to be there. It's a great arvo. And tickets are on sale via the ATC's website right now. So just go to australianturfclub.com.au to secure your seat, get your mates together, secure a table. Are we putting phones away, Clarky, for the arvo? Uh, probably not. I don't mind that. 
Uh, one in all in, if we're going to go that way, I, well, I like just, it. Just but, when everyone's but, on stage having a chat. Oh, no, phones have got to be yeah. compulsory on silent when you walk into the room. Yeah. And then when people are talking. Yeah, when, just when they're talking. You cannot just, be looking at your phone. Just, but is, that's manners. Yeah. That's They're free. That's, that's a no-brainer. But glad, I don't know about the... Glad we've established that. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to get everybody to stick their phone in. No, no, in not, the, not like that. Just, you know, just when we're up on stage having a chat. Compulsory silent as yeah. soon as you walk in. Just, you know. Yeah. Phones away, just so yeah, we can well, ask laws of the tough questions. Yeah, and you you want to know, like, don't take that text message. You can get back to that text in mm. half an hour. You want to hear what laws has got to say. Brad Davis, good morning to you. Morning, guys. How are we going? Yeah, really well, thanks. And uh, well, the field's out for Saturday. Aft cabin. Uh, I think I saw Drew eight of ten. Uh, J Mac book for the ride there for the Eskimo Prince around an even money chance with Tab. Yeah, they're, they're not taking him on, that's for sure. They're at the, at the $2 mark. Uh, Zoo Tiger around that $3.40 mark. And also Penko also there to make his return. So, look, shaping up to be a good little race, that. Um, well, again, we get to have a bit of a look at a, another good old fun horse. He was very, very good, wasn't he, last uh, spring? And uh, we'll see if he's able to sort of go on with the job. He's trialled particularly well leading into this. First, first thoughts are he's probably a little bit short there at $2. I, I would have thought that, there was a chance to take him on a little bit, dry track, a little bit of a tricky draw. He didn't exactly ping the gates at the at a recent uh, trial, so I'm not exactly sure where he'll get to on the map either. So, um, you know, there's a couple of uh, horses that are progressive enough there in Zoo Tiger and Ozapenko who should have won a Caulfield Guineas from a barrier. Um, so, yeah, they might take him on to some degree, but I think if you like him, you might get a little bit better than the $2 on offer late in the piece. Were you surprised inundation... Uh, with the price and Kent Junior stable, decided to stay in Melbourne rather than coming up here to run in Sydney, David. Well, I mean, he's a dollar, what dollar seventy five down there in Melbourne. He's a three dollar chance here in Sydney. So I suppose if you look at the prices, uh, you could say uh, not surprised. But at the same time, I was maybe a little bit surprised because this horse, they're trying to get his rating up to to get him into these uh, carnival races coming up soon, and. The race in Melbourne, I think, is a benchmark 78. The race up here is a benchmark 94. So I would have thought winning a benchmark 94, your rating is going to spike a lot quicker. And I think that's the key with him to get him into those uh, better races is he's going to have to get that rating up. And uh, I know he was a $3 chance up here, but I thought he was an absolute good thing up here. He's just weighted certainty with 53 kilos on his back. And, um, yeah, I, I was really keen to back him. So personal interest, I was a bit disappointed they didn't. Come up to Sydney with him, but um, look, I'm sure he's going to be hard to beat down there in Melbourne. I know he was beaten at, at really short odds last time out, but he was suffering from a bit, of heat, a bit of heat stress. He was left in front a long way out, and I just think it was a bit of a forgive run. He's, the time he ran first up was sensational, and still think he's a very, very good short course sprinter. So expecting him to bounce back, but yeah, just disappointed we won't see him in Sydney this weekend. Uh, now, Solcom is uh, set to make it Sydney debut this weekend. This is the Chris Waller import that uh, won during the Flemington Carnival and got everyone pretty excited, to say the least. Uh, gee, I'll tell you what, though, Davo, there has been an avalanche of money for Banju in this race. It's been 4 and a $2.20 and uh, a now pronounced favourite with Solcom going two twenty five out to $2.80. Of course, we'll have bigger targets down the track. Yeah, and uh, look, when I did this race, I was hoping the bookies would go up favourite Sulcombe and, and sort of have Banju there at that price because, uh, it, you know, just when you look at the race, you go, oh, yeah, Sulcombe's the best horse, so he's easy to mark favourite. But 
as you said, there's bigger fish to fry later on. He was outstanding in the Queen Elizabeth um, during the spring, but that was over a lot further. And I just think with the weight difference with Banjo here with 51 kilos on his back, he's absolutely flying at the moment. Um, and he just gets thrown in in this race. And, you know, it's his pet trip. He's going to be there. He's going to be on speed. And I think he's going to be terribly hard to beat, as the market suggests, where Sultan's going to be out the back. He's got a bigger weight. And, Yes, he's going to be hitting the line, but I think it might be a little bit short for him with a view to to the future. So um, for me, one one horse is you know ready to rumble for the race, and the other horse is just kicking off. So no surprise to see that uh, to see that move, and um, you know, a bit of a I guess a, a spoiler for tomorrow. I think he'll be the best on the program there, and I'd be uh, I still think the two dollars twenty is okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts a little bit shorter because he, he like I said on the ratings, he's absolutely thrown in with fifty one kilos and. I think that I think there's a little edge in some of those horses that seem to go from those 78s to opens and they just drop a stack in weight. They're in form and it makes them very, very hard to beat. Um, I'm a big ratings man and, like I said, on, on what he's done, uh, it's hard to mark him sort of anything longer than $2, $2.10, really. So um looks very, very hard to beat there, Banjo, tomorrow, uh, Sunday. Okay, thanks, mate. We'll get the rest of your mail tomorrow. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys.